Hi, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast on sustainability and innovation in business and economy, a safe and friendly place to learn more about sustainability across industries. My name is Anna, and I'm the podcast host of this show. Every week I invite one professional in the field to share groundbreaking ideas on sustainability in certain sphere, shed light on complicated concepts and give some guidance on how to actually implement sustainability in business. You're listening to the episode number 24, season 2, and today we have a wonderful discussion coming up about circular economy and impact investment with Ron Gonan. Ron is the CEO of Closed Loop Partners, a New York-based investment platform that invests in sustainable consumer goods, recycling and the development of the circular economy. Investors include many of the world's largest retailers and consumer goods companies, as well as family offices interested in investments that provide strong financial returns and tangible social impact. Prior to Closed Loop Partners, Ron was the Deputy Commissioner of Sanitation in New York City in the Bloomberg administration. The companies that he has led have been recognized as innovators in sustainable business practices. Recognitions included the Conference of Mayors, Public-Private Partnership of the Year, Technology Pioneer from the World Economic Forum, and the Wall Street Journal number one venture-backed clean tech company of the year. All of this to say is that I'm very excited to speak to Ron today. Join this audio journey of ours and let's get it started. Oh, hi Ron. Thanks for accepting my invitation uh, to do this podcast episode with me. The topic today is circular economy and impact investment. So through your career, I checked out through your career um, starting from Deloitte consultant to co-founder of Recycle Bank to teaching at Columbia Business School and even taking the position of deputy commissioner of sanitation in the New York City in the Bloomberg administration. I see that is that is what naturally brought you to circularity and building circular economies through innovation. What is circular? For circularity and circular economy for you? How is it different from a traditional uh, economy? It's different in the following way. For the past 75 years, the way we've manufactured is in a linear system where if we're going to manufacture a product, we're first going to need to extract a natural resource. So in the case of plastic, you need to extract petroleum. In the case of metal, you need to extract ore so on and so forth. And then you manufacture with that extracted resource. The expectation is someone would use it one time and then you would uh, pay to stick it in a landfill, could end up in the ocean or river. And then the next time a product needs to be manufactured, you start that system all over again. And I recognize that that system is in the best financial interest of the extractive industries and the landfill industry but it's not in the best interest of consumer goods companies, retailers, consumers, municipalities who have to dispose of this material in a landfill, and definitely not in the best interest of the environment that we all share. Every time we wanna manufacture something, we have to pay this fee to the extractive uh, industries and then to the landfill industry. And I recognize that there's an opportunity to 
shift from that linear system that's costly to us consumers and taxpayers to one that's circular where we're able to manufacture using new types of uh, materials, uh, new types of product design where you use less materials or uh, making sure that we're always using uh, recycled material in manufacturing. And that's what the circular economy means to me. Right, it's keeping materials in the loop, reducing costs, protecting the environment. I actually read a book recently, just finished, by David Suzuki called The Sacred Balance. And you rightfully mentioned mm -hmm. that, um, you know, this consumerism uh, was on the rise. I even prepared the short citation of the retailing analyst, uh, Victor Libov, and this is, we are talking about 1930s. Our enormously product productive economy demands that we make consumption our way of life, that we convert the buying and use of goods into rituals, that we seek our spiritual satisfaction, our ego satisfaction in consumption. How do you marry mm -hmm. circular economy and capitalism approach, capitalism idea nowadays? Well, the, the, the theory behind capitalism is to, uh, continue to build additional additional capital for the participants in the system. But the foundation of that is transparency. So when Adam Smith came up with the concept of capitalism, he was very clear that uh, it's a fair trade of goods. You're transparent uh, about the goods that are being bought and sold. Otherwise, you lose trust in the system. And so I see uh, a circular system is very much aligned with capitalism because you're effectively providing the consumer and all the stakeholders transparency in the system so that they can understand how the product was made uh, and its quality and its expected longevity. When you have a linear system, you actually have an incentive to continually design lower and lower quality products because the lower the quality of the product, the shorter the time the consumer can use it, the sooner they need to get rid of it, pay for it to go to a landfill and go back to getting a new product and requesting that the extractive industries extract more material that they'll have to pay for to uh, manufacture that new product. And so uh, we definitely view the circular economy as far more aligned with the transparency and quality of product that we should expect from capitalism than a, than a linear system, which we view as corrupt and uh, costly. Mm -hmm. uh, you are now leading the closed loop partners that is almost six, over six years old, right? How is it going? What kind of projects receive investment? This is the investment firm, correct? Correct. So closed loop partners is uh, an investment firm and advisory firm. We manage a suite of funds that allow us to invest anywhere along the growth trajectory of a solution in the circular economy. And then we also uh, manage an advisory services firm called the Center for Circular Economy that uh, identifies the most challenging bottlenecks in the system and develops products and, and solutions for them. Uh, and uh, it's been going very well so far. We started six years ago before people were talking about the circular economy. We were uh, the first investment firm in the world primarily focused on the space. And one of the great things that we've seen in the last year or two is more and more uh, companies, more and more investors are recognizing the tremendous economic opportunity in, in the shift. And we're uh, now uh, investors in 
uh, approximately 50 portfolio companies. Wow. Are there any specific criteria or requirements for, for the company or startup to comply with to qualify for investment from closed loop partners? Well, each of our funds is a criteria about uh, what stage of a company can invest in, and that ranges from our venture fund that will invest the first few hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars into a company, all the way to our private equity fund that will acquire a company for tens of millions of dollars. So you need to be able to fit into the asset class that we're investing out of, number one. Number two is we need to clearly see how your business model is promoting uh, circularity. Mm -hmm. And do you know where the banks stand on this? How is a private investment firm is different from state-owned banks in the U.S.? Do they take on circularity too or very much behind? Uh, the banks are definitely getting up to speed on the opportunities in the circular economy. And so we've um, invested together with Goldman Sachs, with Citi, with uh, TIAA, with Northern Trust. Uh, and so the financial services community is definitely recognizing the shift in the economic opportunity, but you know, it, it does take time. Mm -hmm. uh, when we say impact investment, what is, what is it about? How to measure impact? When you're measuring impact, you should choose the criteria that you feel that you can measure that demonstrates that your company's operations help the communities that it operates in. If we don't start building closer relationships between companies and the communities we operate, then we do create a, uh, a threat to capitalism. And uh, if you identify where you think you're having the most positive impact, maybe in job creation, it may be in reducing GHG emissions, it uh, may be in finding alternative materials, find those uh, criteria where you think you're having the most impact or where you want to have the most impact and start measuring it. Mm -hmm. The next question is coming from a dear friend of mine, uh, Dennis. He asked me and actually puzzled me with this question or even, you know, approach the phrasing of the question, where to invest at times of climate crisis. But he actually meant at the end of the world, where to invest when the world collapses? Do you have any <laughs> idea? You know, well, meaning well, climate refugees, uh, floods, droughts, uh, rains, snows, and, and so on and so forth, where the world will, 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 we will live in uh, and are already living in. What to do with the money yeah. that we have, where to invest it? Yeah, well, I, I think the, safest place to invest is in uh, small-scale, local, distributed uh, technologies and solutions. If, if you can invest in companies like a company we have called Home Biogas, that's a household size anaerobic digester. So you can take all of your food waste, all of your biological waste at your home and generate your own gas. I think any companies that can enable people to either generate their own energy through their own waste, um, technologies that can enable municipalities to sort recyclable commodities and sell them, um, companies that can 
help food last longer. Those are the companies that are going to do really, really well in the long term. Mm -hmm. And do you have any of those in your portfolio already? Sure. So on the uh, organics to gas uh, opportunity, we have Home Biogas, which is a company based in Israel that develops household size anaerobic digesters. They go into your backyard, you put your food waste into it, it converts gas, it converts into gas. We have a company called Revolution Systems, which develops small-scale modular recycling facilities for for individual communities so that they can manage their own recycling program and their commodities. Uh, we have a company called Cambridge Crops, which is a uh, thin, odorless, tasteless film that goes around fruits and vegetables that extend the life of uh, fruits, vegetables, and meats. So those are three examples where we're putting our business model to work to create catalytic change. Mm -hmm. And the last one, I think I stumbled upon this, the video somewhere on Facebook. Is it about the coating made of natural components of fruits and vegetables itself that they spread like a spray on the vegetables it, or is it something else? Correct. But, but it's actually a, a silk-based protein that mm -hmm. uh, is the makeup of the spray. Okay. Um, on your web website, I saw that uh, positive, I mean, you're investing definitely in the positive social and environmental impact. But the positive impact on the environment and society somewhere, sometimes and often, can mean that negative impacts are shifted, you know, they, they, there are negative impacts somewhere else. So this impact is shifted. Uh, part of the question slash solution lies in the supply chain during the investment process how do you ensure and do you even look at the supply chain uh how do you make sure it's clean so to say that that takes a lot of work because today supply chains are generally global they're extremely complex there's cultural differences um it takes a lot of effort to shift parts of it. Uh, so it takes a lot of work, but it starts with getting a broad view of how the supply chain operates, understanding uh, the historical development of that supply chain to understand, did it develop this way because of a perceived uh, efficiency or did it develop this way because of someone's entrenched uh, interest or self-interest where the supply chain as a whole is actually operating inefficiently. It's just structured that way for an individual company's uh, benefit. And by evaluating it that way and promoting transparency, you can start identifying uh, major efficiencies. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest obstacle that you see today in building circular economy? Uh, entrench interest in the extractive industries and the landfill industries who will uh, fight uh, the shift. But that doesn't worry me too much. I think the economic opportunity with the circular economy is so clear that if we just patiently continue to invest in a smart way, uh, we'll, we'll make the shift happen. Right. And probably the last question for, for now, um, one piece of advi advice, if you can give, how to build circularity on the personal individual level? 
how to make sure. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh -huh. that, that, that's a great question. Um, th this is one of the reasons why I love uh, recycling and, and, and composting is it's something that almost everybody can do in their everyday life at home, at work, and be religious about it and has a tremendous impact if you do it, your friends do it, your friends, your friends do it, your extended family does it, your community does it, uh, that will have a tremendous impact on the environment and the, and the growth of, of circularity. There's a lot of other things you can do in terms of making sure that the products you're buying use recycled content or sustainable materials. There's a lot of different things you can do, but the thing that you can do every day that has tremendous impact is make sure you're, you're recycling and composting your organics. And probably, okay, some, one more question to that, a more difficult one. Where I am sitting, namely in Ukraine, there is no recycling at all, almost. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. in, that, in this more complicated context, uh, when all our waste goes together with the organic, plastic, uh, paper. I, I try to at least separate paper from plastic and find ways to recycle those separately uh, to give mm -hmm. it to um, informal recyclers, to be uh, correct. But to those like me, uh, those who have no um, established recycling system, no take-back system, I'm specifically especially worried about electronic waste uh, and other hazardous waste that are not properly dealt with, uh, what shall those people do? That's a great question. I mean, uh, so for folks that are in the Ukraine or other parts of uh, the world where there is no recycling program, that's, that's a major challenge. I mean, there I think you need to start developing uh, business models and local partnerships to just maybe start a small recycling program where you start to collect these commodities and show that there's value and uh, try to get something uh, launched uh, locally. Don't don't try to bite off too much that you can chew, or try to get to scale too quickly. Just start off with a um, a small program, but then also reach out to international NGOs that care about the environment and sustainability, and see if they'll they'll be supportive. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thank you very much for being with me today. Uh, this was Sustainability Explored episode, I cannot believe I'm saying it, number 24. Thank you, Ron. All right, thank you so much. Goodbye. The circular economy concept has deep-rooted origins. Its practical applications to modern economic systems and industrial processes have gained momentum since the late 1970s led by a small number of academics, thought leaders, and businesses. Car sharing, reusable coffee cups, renting clothes, they are all part of what is known as the circular economy today. Basically, it means commerce without waste or pollution, products that last as long as possible and that can be recycled at the end of their life. James Griffin from the Sustainable Business Network says, Studies have shown that only 10% of the global economy is circular and about two-thirds of everything produced goes to the landfill. The principles of the circular economy are simple. To be more efficient with the resources you have, reduce waste and reuse what you can. Simply put, do more with less. The same principles would be familiar to our ancestors living thousands of 
years ago. And they still apply to millions of us across the developing world right now. But somewhere along the road, many of us forgot this wisdom. With the surge of consumerism in the 20th century, we have thrown the planet out of balance to fuel our growth. We have done so without consideration or perhaps even understanding of the damage we cause. Intoxicated by a deep need to consume, we accumulate things. The consequences of our actions are now too profound to ignore. We cannot continue to pay lip service to the idea of change while our take-make-waste model causes irreparable stress to the earth. Let's look at plastic, for example. Half of all the plastic that has ever been made was manufactured in the last 13 years. Less than 10% of plastic has ever been recycled, with most of it, unfortunately, ending up in, the, in landfills, landfills, dumps, or in the oceans where it can last for centuries. At the same time, energy consumption is projected to grow by one-third in the next 20 years, now, at the dawn of the fourth industrial revolution, we stand on the cusp of a new era of growth. If we are willing to walk the talk, we can choose a path driven by advancements in technology and understanding where social, economic and environmental responsibility merge. The World Economic Forum estimates that the transition to a circular model could be worth one trillion US dollars to the economy, by 2025 and create a hundred thousand new jobs. But the long-term rewards are even greater. Passing on a world in which our descendants can continue to thrive for generations to come and contribute to the never-ending development of humanity. Today, our consumption increasingly takes the form of accessing as opposed to owning, which satisfies our needs while fulfilling the higher sense of purpose we have developed. If you like this episode, if you learned something new, I invite you to check other episodes of Sustainability Explored too. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, not to miss any new episodes, share, review and rate on the platform you're listening on. We are now available on 30 plus platforms. This will help other people discover the podcast and learn something new about sustainability. If you have any questions let for me or on, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening, for being with us today and until next time. Take care, stay sustainable.